0: SNAP Production. G'day, it's Rusty here, all set for part two of my podcast with touring car racing legend Jim Richards. If you've arrived here and somehow missed part one, do yourself a favour, as Molly Meldrum would say, and give it a listen. How religious beliefs for another competitor actually opened the door to a drive in New Zealand for him. A signature car in those early years. How a deal was stitched together to buy it and build it the challenges of racing at Bathurst for the first time, memories of competing against household names on this side of the ditch, doing business with Bob Jane and a whole lot more. We begin part two by winding the clock back to his first dealings and recollections of the King, Peter Brock.
1: The first meeting I had with with, with Brockie, apart from you know walking around the pit area, because the touring cars and sports sedans were never on the same program. Mm-hmm. Sports sedans had their own. Yep, they were huge. Too, a bit, the bit like the, the Shannon's mm-hmm. um, deal, the series, yeah, where yeah. then the V8 So you mm-hmm. didn't, pick, but sometimes you did. And I only knew Brocky from saying, from, from sort of nodding, because I wasn't driving touring cars, mm-hmm. and, and they probably didn't have an interest in sports sedans. But sports sedans were big were, at, yeah. at the, in the old days. Mm-hmm. And um, apart from nodding to him, but anyway, we both got invited, not together, but just separately, mm. uh, to go to Perth. And I was to race a, race with the Falcon, go guy with the Falcon Tudor, mm-hmm. in the, the 300 kilometre race that they used to have there. Yep. And Brocky was going over to race with Wayne Negus in a, in a Tirana, holding near to him, Tirana. Mm-hmm. And um, we got over there and we did the race. And I still hadn't had much to do with him because you know, he was up there, we were down here and paddled away. And um, on that particular weekend, the pilots went on strike. Oh,
0: this is the this is the big uh, this is the big run across yeah, the, yeah. The, the Nullarbor, isn't yeah, it?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it was uh, so. Yeah, we had we had to get back to Melbourne because he had something to do the following weekend, yeah. and I had to go to Brisbane to race the Mustang.
0: You garnered a Ford, didn't you? Two of all things. Yeah, he was an yeah. old, Holden, but you yeah, garnered a Ford. No,
1: exactly. Yeah. One of the official officials there. Knew a Ford dealer that would would own sell a car over there. Yep. She said, "Take this an XB XB four door, <laughs> six cylinder." And at the time, Bev had Jamie as a baby, yep. so she was in the in the, in the, in the back seat. When Jamie was set up there, and we got the uh, the XB Ford and um, we introduced ourselves. Then, obviously, then we chatted away and we got to know each other a bit better. But uh, we rode, rode non stop, apart from picking filling with petrol and uh when brock got tired i'd drive when i got tired he'd drive and we oh, just wow. filled up petrol and we got over to um to melbourne and then i had to drive to brisbane oh, oh, oh. yeah
0: was the was the run to the, the i mean statute of limitations has probably passed on this now but the run to melbourne was pretty handy time-wise wasn't that? Was
1: it oh hell yeah like we we, we <laughs> brocky was actually scary <laughs> i mean he like were so many kangaroos on the road and that and the middle of the Nullarbor it was sort of a, not not loose metal, but it was sort of a dirt. dirt. Yeah. And um, there was kangaroos everywhere, and he was going shoo, past them, <laughs> you know. I was, bugger me! We're going to have a run into one of these. Anyway, we didn't. We missed them all, and um, I, 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 did, I didn't even bother, you know, counting out how how long it took. But uh, you know, it was, it was it was good, good memories. Good memories. Great memories. I mean, you clearly formed a
0: uh, you know a good relationship and things like yeah, that through yeah. that. What what was the a9x like to drive and and um did it have any quirks i mean it was such an amazing car and and one that people remember fondly but did it have any little quirks
1: no not really i mean i um the first year up there in 78 um i think i did six laps of practice and that's all ship said that's enough you're, you're qualified now for the race that's it yeah. and brocky brocky would have only done 12 15 laps and the car—they polished the car, and they cleaned all the aluminium, shiny aluminium up, and you know, check, checked it over. And um, and but to drive, I'd only been used to sports sedans, basically, and a few touring cars. But mm. they, were, they were way ahead of anything that I'd driven before. Mm. They were really handled good, went good, stopped good, did everything fine. Mm. <sighs> amazing,
0: amazing car. Did you ever have you have you either either come across or maybe even you witness someone else do it? any kind of secret squirrel stuff. Did, did someone don a helmet to cover for someone else to, to qualify for a race or, or anything along those lines back in those days?
1: No, no, not that I know of, but... But I'm sure Scavy won't mind me telling. When he drove, he drove, he drove with the guy and the gazelle at Bathurst, Bathurst, right? And the guy was just not on the pace, and they wanted to move up the grid a little bit. So Scavy put his helmet on, went out, and did a practice session.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Oh, I, I
1: didn't know Scavy then. Yeah. But I, that's the stories that I hear back, yeah. you know, from Scavy. I love
0: it. You, you had a, um, I mean, there's there's another great one. I mean, he talks about you teaching him so many great things and in touring car racing as he was coming up as a as a young bloke was that just you by nature was it a conscious thing that that you know you wanted to do or maybe Fredo even asked you to do to help this young bloke out and take the next step
1: no no up? no he was he was in in our team and i was a driver who had a lot more experience and uh if every time says jeez you're flying through those that, that, that turn there i just you know and i'd say well yeah well you know how'd you had to do it i said i'd just keep my foot flat and turn around the turn around and go around the corner. That, that's that's an example of what we would say, yeah. because we we didn't have a lot of um, data logging systems then. I mean, all, the first data logging system that I'd I'd seen was um, oh, the, the we had they had in the GDR, um, like a
0: stack dash or something or other. Was yes,
1: it, uh, like yeah. like a stack dash, yeah. but you could download mm-hmm. different things. And um, I didn't used to worry about it, but Scaphy would pore over it, you know. And, okay. And and I, I would take it because I, I just I didn't understand them. And uh, in my, my era, if you wanted to go faster, you tried harder. Yeah. And um, so Skye would be pouring over the, all the the, the corner Starless. speeds and the data and everything. And I'd say, what are you doing all that for? He says, Well, we're finding out where I'm this, uh, where I'm slow, and where I'm fast. And so when you've d- when you've done all that and you've got, you'll be a slap, Print it off and let me have a look at it. And so would, he would, him and his engineer would get the car, his car done and then the quickest lap he'd done and print it off and let me have a look at it. And then I said, like, well, print my lap off and I can see where I'm slow or where I'm faster or whatever. Mm. And uh, I said, like, because there's no sense in blasting around the track knowing you're slow on, say, turn two, mm. but, but wearing the car out for the rest of the lap when you're, when you're faster or as fast mm. in that position. So that's what we they did. He'd print out the... Um, his lap and my lap and we say shit you know you're faster than me there and oh uh, you know you're not as quick here and this and that and we'd have we'd have a good time talking about it because it was just you know how the hell did you get around that fast you
0: know? <laughs> hey he tells he shared it on the podcast and it's one that that um many fans will have heard before if they've been to uh to a dinner or or whatever um unfortunately he had that role at adelaide one year yeah. and uh, Fredo's radioing you about, about where's his car, what state's the car in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you were kind of required to um, fire back a report to him. This is, quite, this is quite funny, and you used an analogy to describe, no, 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 no. didn't you?
1: <laughs> when I, well, the, the first time we ever drove the HR31 in '89, mm. just, just to have a drive of the car to see what it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, got a frog in my throat, yeah. um, it was it Winton and uh, Scafie went out and checked the car out make sure it was all everything was pointing the right direction and I came in yep no problem she's all good so I hopped in and had a run and, and uh, all of a sudden I was, I'd done about a lap or so all of a sudden this thing on the on the on the on the stack dash started flashing and I thought what the hell is going on here And anyway so I slowed right down and had a look and, the, and it was flashing and I th- said to uh came in and said to Fred, listen, that, that, the, the light's flashing. I haven't sort of been able to work it out because I'm too busy looking at the road. Mm-hmm. But um, he said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't, didn't tell you. The boy's having a bit, of a, a bit of a laugh. He said, um, when you join the team, if you lock a brake or dent the car, yo, the boy's a slab. <laughs> <laughs> and on this, the, 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 the flashing light, in the light was slab, Slab, slab. <laughs> slab. <laughs> so if you locked a wheel up, you know, yep. uh, they'd say, I, I, was, I was a slab." <laughs> so, um, but when we went to Adelaide, Scafie, uh had a brand new car. I had my car. Scaphy had the, the 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 next car that was built. Yep. Um, and we just got out for practice, and it was the first lap of practice, and. Um, Anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd gone out first and, and gone around the track. And next minute, well, you know, like when I was halfway around the track, Fred said, oh, Skapey said I had a bit of an off. He said, um, next time you go around, just just check, check how it is and give us a report back. And uh, so I went around and, oh, my God, the bloody thing was upside down. Mm-hmm. Skapey was, you know, like, he wasn't hurt, but he was, you know, like bruised and battered yeah, all yeah. over. yeah. And um, anyway, we got past the incident and I pressed the button and said to Fred, Jesus, Fred, um, it doesn't look good. Fred said, how many slabs would you owe me? And I said, forget about the slabs, you owe me a small bottle shop. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic.
0: If you listened to part one, you'll know I asked about tips for preheating the car during the colder months. What about when it's hot, though? Anything to keep the car a little cooler? Let me know. You've tipped us off to a couple of, of cars, and we're, you know, surrounded by them here. First, Firstly, HR31. Yeah. Tell us about that car and and restoring it, acquiring it back, and, and you know... Most fans might think of, of um, R32 and Godzilla and that yeah, cult yeah, status yeah. car. This is a very cool machine, Jimmy, and, and an important part of, of history as well.
1: Well, I, of course, I never owned any, any, any of the cars. Fred owned them, and BMW owned theirs, and, <clears throat> and that. And um, but when I finished driving it, just when I first drove that car in '89, it was the best car I'd driven. Wow. It was fantastic. And I'd driven the M3s and stuff, but they were a little bit underpowered. Mm-hmm. But on some tracks, they were fantastic, you know.
0: Like an Amaru or something Yeah, like yeah, that. exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah. But the HR31 was fantastic. It had, it had twice the power, it seemed, as than the M3 had. Mm-hmm. And, and it seemed to brake as good, it cornered as good, did everything brilliantly. So anyway, when we moved on to GDR, of course, these, the HR31s were sort of sold off or, or retired. But Fred had a collection of cars, a, a huge collection of cars, that Gibsons had built and ran. And that mine was obviously, this, the one that I drove was uh, one of them. And it, it was built from a, a, a lightweight shell. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was 40 kilos lighter in the, in the, in the shell because of the way that they'd built it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so it was a car worth you know, keeping. So he kept it and then he eventually sold the collection to a guy who, who was never to actually break the collection up. And uh, it got to the stage where he, he sort of had to break it up because he had nowhere to put all the cars and this and that and that and that. And so a friend of his bought the car off him. He, he, um, Terry Ashwood. He, he raced the car probably for three or four races, mm-hmm. and then he just, he bought the GTR. So then he so he sold the HR thirty one to a friend of his, and um, he didn't didn't ever race it because he he was a property developer, mm-hmm. and I think he had a bit of a hard time business wise, and so it was just in the corner of his workshop, and. Um, I found out that where it was through through Terry and um, rang him and offered him a price for it. And uh, we bartered for a while. And then he said, Yeah, okay, no problem. So uh, Faye and I we hopped on the car and the trailer on the back and drove up to Gosford and, and bought it off him. Fantastic. But it's never been restored.
0: Okay.
1: It's, it's, it, it may have been touched up a little bit, but it's as it r- raced. So in the last race that I drove it in okay. was. Malala, 80, Malala, 90, yeah, we were in the championship in 90, mm-hmm. yeah, Malala, and then I drove the GDR, uh, so that car then, it, it did all the touring car championship, basically, uh, but it didn't go to Bathurst, Okay, because it, uh, the GDRs then were, yeah. were coming on, yeah. so um, anyway, so I had the car, and it, and it didn't need restoring, and um, it's just sitting there in the workshop now as I bought it. Um, no modifications none exactly as it was when it raced
0: awesome. the, the people in that operation then i mean it, it was such a professionally run outfit. Some very great very good minds behind the scenes as well you know either this itera- iteration or, or or um or godzilla for that for that matter did they react to things that australia built and and were japan impressed by what what you guys were doing here
1: well, the the, the the story goes with Fred that uh, he wanted to take the GDR <coughs> to, uh, to Japan with Scaifee to run it with a Japanese guy mm-hmm. and um, the head of motorsport in Japan sort of got wind of that Fred wanted to come over and this and that and said just, just quietly to Fred one day, whether it was on the phone or in a, in a letter or I don't know, Mr. Gibson, Fred, you, you look after Australia, we look after Japan. Mm-hmm. We would rather you just lift your car at home.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're also surrounded by a BMW here, and there's a great BMW chapter for you. Can I, before we get to the, the, the one here, you and I a few years ago, you were in... Uh, in New Zealand. Am I right, if memory serves, I think Pete Sturgeon has the the 635 CSI, and you've been reunited with that car in a couple of places, Silverstone as well, I think, haven't you?
1: No, exactly. The car was converted back from a Group C car, Mm -hmm. which which, which I I drove, Mm -hmm. uh, and it had the three-and-a-half-litre four-valve engine in it, right? But it started life as a Group C car. Now, when the Group C dropped out and just Group A came in... Mm Fred got, uh, sorry, um, Frank, Frank Gardner, Frank Gardner yep. converted the Group C car to a Group A car and then sold it. Mm-hmm. And it was sold to, I think, Jim Keough, I think, or something, okay. anyway. Right. And different guys owned it in the, in the time. And then it was painted back to the colours of the JPS car as it was. But no one really knew that it was the Group C car made into a Group A car. Wow. And the only only way you could tell, basically, was really... It's sort of the hole in the roof to bolt the camera on the periscope camera.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Um, so anyway, so Pete ran me, and, and it was and it, it was the Group A car the, when Pete bought it. Mm-hmm. He ran he ran me. I didn't I didn't know him from a bar of soap. He, he, I knew he was involved in motorsport because the way he was talking, and he said, uh, "Oh, Pete Sturgeon here, Jim. I'm just I, I own the BMW you used to race." I said, oh, great. No problem. How's it going? He said, oh, no, all, all, all good. He said, but I want to know if you'll come, out, come back and r- race it for me. In the Wellington, no, not the Wellington, in the um, Silverstone Classic. Wasn't no, 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 no. It was um, Tony's Circuit.
0: Oh, Hampton Downs. Hampton Downs.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I sort of said, I didn't really know. And, oh, yeah, yeah okay, okay. He said, all right, well, you know, we'll, we'll organise it. I'll get a ticket ready for you and da, da, da. So I went over and drove it. At Hampton Downs, and uh, it went fantastic, really good, and uh, we won a race in it, this and that. And while we were over there, it was, it was the, the, the meeting that they celebrate BMWs. They had, a, they had they sort of had a, a celebration of something or someone each yep. year. Yep. And there was a lot of BMWs there, and Pip Barker, who actually built the Group C car. Bearing in mind this was now Group A. Yes. Right. He, he came over as well just to, to see things that were happening and everything, and there was a few BMWs around that he was still looking after. And he, uh, he walked up and said, you know, I, I, of course, I knew him well. He said, Pip, how you going, mate? Good, good. He said, um, oh, is this, which, which is this car? And I said, well, I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I think it could be the Group C car. I don't know. He said, so he, he said, I'll have a look. Had a look around it, a hole in the roof, do he said, this is the Group C car converted back to Group A, which we did when, the, when Group C stopped. Amazing. And so Pete said, well, what, what, what are we talking about? And um, I said, this is actually the Group, Group C car, which was built to run in Group C with a different engine and yeah. da, 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 big wider wheels. And Pip said, yeah, oh, geez, it'd be, be, great, it'd be great one day to, to, to convert it back to the Group C car. And, and Pete said, Well, you know, and this may have taken a day or two over a weekend and um, what would it cost to, uh, to convert it back? You said, oh, he said I, I don't know, it probably cost you a fair bit. He says, I'm keen to do it. Terrific. And uh, he said, well, it'll, it'll be the only 635 with the 4 wheel motor that raced in Group C in the world. <laughs> and it was just the fact, so he, he, he rebuilt the car back to Group C, cut the mudguards out again, put the flares on, yep. and it was absolutely magic, it was just fantastic. And of course, it was better to drive now because it had a lot lot better tires <laughs> we, were, we were on crossbow tires when I mean, this car now could run radial yeah and it was it was just a brilliant car yeah really really good
0: I love the way you identified it too and then then you know encouraged him to put it back to that spec that's awesome beside us is a magic little little for the yeah. little M3 Um people will fondly remember that car too. Just, just if, you, if you can, like, what does it rev to? What did, what did you have to do? I mean, it was great at little places, I guess, like, like yeah, yeah. an Amaru Park and so on, yeah. but you could hustle them, couldn't you?
1: Oh, no, certainly. I mean, uh, in the M3, I think, like Amaru Park, for instance, in those days, it was a fantastic little track, which is not there now, mm. but the touring car race for the championship was, were only one race, 75 laps. <sighs> And so you, no, no cool suits, no nothing, because you had to ride the thing for 75 <laughs> laps by yourself. And um, it was light, light on tyres, because it didn't have a lot of torque. It had lots of, lots of, well, not lots of power, but it had all its powers up top. And it was just like a, just like a, a little go kart. It was just brilliant. It had great grip. It didn't have a lot of power, yeah. but it made up for it under braking right. and the turns. And um, and of course, I drove the M3 before I drove the HR31. And so I compared the HR thirty one with the BMW, and it was just a bigger and better thing. Thing, yeah, yeah. but the M three was brilliant. And during that year, I drove three cars in the in the championship because the um, the Frank had an order to to sell the cars, mm-hmm. right, by a John a John Fairhall, New Zealand BMW agent, mm-hmm. mad motor racing fan for Trevor Crowe, a Kiwi racing driver, he's a really good driver, mm. for him to, to drive. So he bought the 6, 635 off Fred, mm. uh, off Frank, Frank. Mm. and uh, eventually he wanted an M3 to compete in the Australian Series and then take it back to New Zealand. Mm. And um, Frank said, well, yeah, I, I can do that, but I said, we, he said, we might have to use it in a couple of races. He said, that's all right, because he said, I want you to, well, I want, I want you to test it anyway to make sure it's all right. tickety-boo and everything. So we actually the the cars were built in in Sydney Mm because Frank was uh, did all he could to prove that he could build a better car than BMW (laughs) (laughs) so what he did was he he ordered a body shell from from BMW Motorsport and then looked at the body shell and thought we can do it for half the cost so then he got 325 BMW bodies Mm -hmm. which were a lot less money anyway and converted them to M3 but that car we started the season on, we only run two or three meetings in that car, then it was sold to Trevor John Fairhall, Trevor Crow, mm-hmm. and I got a brand new car. But that car there had the BMW factory chassis number on it, and it's the only one in, in the country virtually that's that got that chassis number because it was built by BMW in Germany. Can you recall the first time
0: you drove Godzilla, where you were, your first reaction, and you know, we saw it as this sort of state-of-the-art step up in, in some respects, but was it massively different as a race car to you or, or did it not feel that way?
1: Well, it, it, compared to the HR31, it felt like it had miles more power, which it did, but it was but it was like 300 kilos heavier mm-hmm. than the HR31. So when I first drove it, I thought, jeez, this has got some... And the grip that it had, coming out of a corner, you'd nail your foot and just drive out of the corner without any wheel spin. And the first time I drove it was... um Wanneroo, the first time I drove it, I was over there for the race, mm-hmm. drove it in practice as the first time, and then drove it in the race. <laughs> but it had the, uh, what did it have? It had brake problems and gearbox dramas, because it had an old five-speed gearbox in it, and Nismo it didn't have a six-speed for it. And so the gear change was all terrible, and the ratios were bad, and it wasn't that nice to drive, but it was all right.
0: Yeah.
1: By Oran Park, the last round of the championship, Scafie and the boys had fixed it all up, so it was really, really good. Mm. And then it felt, you know... I mean, I enjoyed driving the HR31 more than the Godzilla. Okay. Because with Godzilla, you were going to win. Mm. Someone in the GDR was going to win, and it was normally us. Mm. And that wasn't as, wasn't as much fun as driving the HR31 and trying to beat Dick Johnson in a, in a Sierra because mm. we, we were way, way underdogs. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, but the, the GDR was fantastic, no, no problem. But... I, I like that little car better
0: the satisfaction of, of
1: yeah, the... Of less horsepower than the Sierras and the Commodores, mm. um, you know it, it was just good fun. Yeah.
0: Jimmy, I mean, you and I have talked about it in different media places before. It's been it's been well covered. I was a I was a you know younger bloke under the podium in '92 that year, and I sort of had the blinkers off and observed the whip up in in tension, if you like, among the, the fans yeah, underneath yeah. The, the podium. Um, how much did that? That energy at the time, because it seems so out of character for you, uh, and did did the impact that energy from the crowd, the negativity from the crowd, and and how much did you then realise the moment that it happened, the impact that you'd had?
1: No, I didn't realise any impact at all. I just uh, you know we got out on the on the, on the dais. Basically, there was there was beer cans and bottles being thrown, but not not all the time at us because I think Neil. Crompton. And Crompton and, did the bird, I think. Yeah, it was third, so he was first out on the dice. <laughs> and then there was Dick, and of course he built everything up, and then there was us, and we got fired. There, there wasn't a lot, it was a few, you know, quite, quite a few, but not, not nothing major. Did you, escape, you want to put beer cans in the yeah, pockets yeah, yeah, or something? We, we had the, uh, the uh, leather jackets that they we, we won in the Top Gun shootout. Yeah. And he was loading the pockets up, and I said, Nah, forget it. We'll just go out there, we'll say hello, and we'll, we'll be back drinking a beer in the half an hour, yeah. in a few minutes. So anyway, so he, he did. And as we got out, Jesus, I was a dodging a, a can or two. And uh, then when when we got to say, the, the, the crowd were yelling the whole time. They didn't they didn't quiet down once for anyone to talk. Yeah. Uh, they might have quieted down when Dick spoke. Yeah. <laughs> but he revved them up even harder. Yeah. Oh, I've been beaten by a car that wasn't going, that broke down, I, that crashed. How can that happen? Anyway, uh, a few years later, the same thing happened to him. <laughs> no, earlier, earlier in the Falcon. Um, so I just, you know, like I was trying to talk and you can't hear what you're saying because mm-hmm. there's so much noise and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought, this is not, no- I just thought, you know, basically, put, this is not on the, you know, pack of pricks. Yeah. So I just said, you know, like, you know, I didn't think we'd get a reception like this. So I think you're a pack of yeah. assholes. And you got to correct it years later, didn't you, with Scofie on the party? Would you yeah. say you're a pack of nice people or nice something? Pack, pack <laughs> nice people, yeah. I had to go to CAMS, though, to be, uh, have a talk to. I can't think of his name now. He comes from Brisbane. He was an he was an accountant. He was president of CAMS for a while. Okay. Anyway, I had to go and talk to him. But he he was pretty good. He just said, "Oh, we'd like you to apologise. Well, I'm not apologising. It was just a spirit of the moment thing. Didn't mean anything by it apart from the fact that these guys are throwing cans at us and that. Mm. And um, <laughs> uh, he said, well, "Listen, if if in future you have any chance of maybe maybe just giving an apology to the people that might have upset." Okay. Um, I said, like, yeah, no, no problem. No problem. Went out and never did anything about it.
0: What about the supercar of all the, you know, the different iterations of, of supercar before you stopped racing in the in the one thousand? Is there one car along the way that you had a little little affinity with in the in the V eight era?
1: Well, I'd have to say the two thousand and three car that I drove. <clears throat> it was the first time that I'd driven as a lead driver, mm. and uh, we qualified third on the grid. And we ran in the top half dozen, basically the whole race. And uh, I was one of the cars that had the the quickest laps in the race in the last 10 laps of the race. And so I was going as fast as anybody, basically. But I was in fifth place. And Steve, my son, was in front of us. And that car was fantastic. To qualify third and then to run fifth, uh, that was the best drive I ever did at Bathurst. Wow. And only because it was... I wasn't driving V8s. Mm. I drove I it once a year. That was at Bathurst. Mm. So uh, it was... And the good thing about it was, being the lead driver, you got about four or five sets of brand-new tyres, which I'd never driven on a brand-new oh. tyre before. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did it become a conscious thing uh, at some point just because of, of um, you know, you talked about it being uh, not a full-time thing for you and, and younger person's game perhaps. Did it get to the point where you went, I, I, I can't keep doing that, the, the calibre of the competition, the, the you know... Maybe it wasn't going to, to be an enjoyable thing for you on that basis.
1: Basically, when Skyfi, I, I drove the to two thousand sorry, two thousand two, mm-hmm. and then two thousand three, I drove the Tony Longhurst. And then I Skyfi said, "Well, why don't you come back next year and lead driver for the, the car and the team because you've got some young young guys we're going to give a chance, mm-hmm. but we just don't want them to completely go out of control." Mm-hmm. The first guy that I drove with was James Courtney. Mm-hmm. And uh, he popped it in the wall on his lap, um, and then I drove. And, and by that time, I realised that if I, I just, in my own personal view was that if I couldn't qualify in the top ten, mm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't bother. Okay. Because I I, I, I only drove the car at, at Bathurst, and mm. you know, that's a uh, big mission, Jimmy, else.
0: isn't it? That's hard, then, isn't it?
1: Well, well yeah, but you d- didn't sort of think about it as that. Mm. Fortunately, you know, Scafi was in the lead car, mm. and so whenever he'd say to me, "Did you want to done to your car?" No, 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 whatever they do to your car, just do to mine. Oh, really? And so he would uh, come and say, what's your car like around turn three, or turn two? So I said, i just give it a little bit of snap over step. but other than that, no, no, mine's the same. I'm going to try, I'm trying, I'm going to try and fix mine. And so he went out and, and practiced and, and went around and said, yep, no, that's good. Yeah. I said, well, do it to my car. So they did it to my car and it was beautiful. That's magic. But it, um, that, that was a good car because it was competitive, we were driving good and we probably we could have come and gone a lot further up. But Tony got stuck behind Larry Perkins, I think it was, in the race and he could not pass him. He was capable of lapping probably half a second to a second quicker, but he couldn't get past him. him. <laughs> like for an hour and a half, he was just torturing him. <laughs> uh, uh.
0: We'll bounce through a few if we, if we can. Fans would love to know, of all the titles, which is the, the Australian Touring car title that, that you perhaps cherish the
1: most? Well, to be honest, um, I suppose realistically, the first was fantastic mm-hmm. because it was it was we did we only won two or three races in the season, but ended up winning the championship. That was in the BMW. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the six three five, and then the M three was another good one. But then the uh, the first of the Nissans, the HR thirty one, we'd done in ninety nine, but hadn't we'd escaped and I got third in that. Then when the GDRs came. It was too e- it was too easy, uh-huh. you know. So mm, I, I pr- probably <sighs> two thousand and two, when Schaeff and I won, uh-huh. I knew that I wouldn't win another one uh-huh. because I, I, I wasn't going to get the opportunity. I, I didn't drive the car enough, and um, from then on I was in the second car, not 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 a lead driver in the uh-huh. second car, but um, I was there after two thousand and three. To help the young guys sort of get the, to yeah. get to grips with it, yeah. And uh, I thought to myself, in two thousand and six, I think it was. Yeah, I, I I retired the car. I clipped the clipped the the armco as I went past it out of the out of the dipper mm-hmm. and bent the steering. So the minute I did that, I said that and that's it. That's it. I mean, and and, and and not because I thought I was past it. Mm. The fact is that it was a good reason to stop okay. driving you know, driving supercars. Okay.
0: The car. I mean, you've driven in your career some amazing cars. I mean, there's even been truck racing, NASCAR, Oscar, uh, Dabble in Formula 5000. What What is the car? Well, I think even 20-plus Porsches or something over over time yeah. too, isn't there? Is there one car that you sort of think, you know, that is just me to a <clears> T?
1: <throat> well, I suppose I really enjoyed the uh, Carrera Cup cars yeah. because they were, they were little race cars. And that was what I was driving at the time when you know, I wasn't going to go and be a supercar driver yep. in a series again. Yep. So I really enjoyed the Porsches because they were so good, you didn't have to do anything to them. Mm. And, um, but you know, it's hard to say what the best car was because the 2003 Commodore that with, with I drove was Tony, mm. that was fantastic. Mm. Um, the best car overall would have to be the little M3 or the HR31. That I, that I drove. Yeah. The 635 was good too, but we won on that. The M3 was, the the 635, we were favourites from the minute of the first drop of the flag in the first race mm. because we got a car that was ready-made to Group A touring car. Yeah. Rocky and Dick and all the guys had to build their own cars. And so they were a little bit behind the eight ball. Yeah. They're still quick, yeah. but um, that was that was sort of too easy. Yeah. Basically, knew that if you played your cars right, you're going to win. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Was there a car that you either didn't get the chance to drive that you would love to have, or maybe even a little a little secret story, Jimmy, where maybe you were at a practice day or a test day or something and someone said, hey, do you want to have a drive of this that, that you know, um, people perhaps don't know about? You know, did you drive an RX-7 or something? Did you, you know, things like that?
1: No, but the only thing, that one thing I do remember is <clears throat> my first meeting at Lakeside, uh, this is back in the sports sedan days, yeah. was... Um, for Sidcrome and Sidcrome in Brisbane had a petrol account with a Shell service station in Woolloongabba and the service station was owned by Dick Johnson (laughs) so I didn't know Dick but I I was introduced to him because he let us use his workshop to work on the car basically gave us a key and said no where where you go and um, at Lakeside that day he was driving I'm pretty sure it was a yellow XU1 Mm -hmm. sponsored by Zups or something I I can't think now anyway And he was just driving that in the in the support categories to the sports sedan race. and uh, we were parked close to each other, and we were having, you know having a chat now again about nothing. And he said, "You ever driven an XU one?" I said, "No, not really. You know, I used to do years ago. I did, but not not over here." He just hop and have a have a run. I said, "What?" <laughs> now I brought that up with him the other day. And he said, "Oh, should I can't remember that." <laughs> so he let me have a drive of it. You know that uh, it was good.
0: Awesome. Was there a a deal to go and race with someone or, or, you know, a potential plan to go and do something that maybe didn't come off that you would love to have have seen come together? But, I mean, that question is a a little... um, Because you've done some amazing things. I I would find it hard to think that that, that nothing came together.
1: No, I I never... uh, Well, the the one thing that didn't come together, the twin cam escad I drove in New Zealand belonged to a guy called Jim Mm Carney, the loveliest guy you could ever meet, Mm -hmm. an elder elder guy. Mm -hmm. He was probably 50-odd. When I was twenty, you know. So anyway, we went to England to buy a car off Broadspeed, who who were great car repairers of the day mm-hmm. back in we're talking back in the the seventies, the yeah. so, uh, late sixties. And we paid a deposit, and we both flew over there to test the car. And uh, it was driven by a guy called John Fitzpatrick, who you know, who you mm-hmm. know. And it was dressed up in the Castrol colours when they they were competing in the the um, British. British Touring Car Championship. Mm-hmm. And one of the main protagonists was Frank Gardner, who didn't—I didn't even know at that stage. Mm-hmm. And held in
0: high regard in England at the oh, of time. Oh yeah, hell yeah!
1: Hell yeah! Yeah yeah yeah. And um, so we, they took us to Silverstone to t- test the broadspeed a- a- escort. Mm-hmm. When we got there, it was p- pouring with rain. And they, 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 so they got the car out, and started it up, warmed it up. Shit! No wet tyres. <laughs> so during the day, it sort of dried a little bit, but still, no way you should be out there. And They said, well, you just go and feel the car, basically. So I did, and I was out there, and uh, Graham Hill was practicing the Embassy Lola on the track at the same time. <laughs> 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 but uh, anyway, I said, to, I said to, to Jim, no, it's fantastic, really good. Yep. Now, that, that would have come back to New Zealand, and we would have competed against the Mustangs, Camaros, and it would have beaten them, not easy, but it would have beaten them pretty easy. Wow. And um, anyway, the last meeting to decide the British Touring Car Championship, John Fitzpatrick, Frank Gardner, crashed into each other and wrote the cars off. Oh. <laughs> so it yeah. never came to. No, so it on? never came. No, we, we continued on with the one we had, and that's just before we built the Mustang.
0: Couple to finish. When Stevie was younger, did he did he pest you about going racing, or or uh, and, and I think you were quite big on encouraging him to have a. A, a ticket, a, a career of some kind under yeah. his under his um, belt before he went down that path,
1: weren't you? He he never really talked to me uh, um, about racing. Really, it was what Dad did. Hmm. You know, so what? Who cares? You know,
0: it's like, normalised
1: for him. Yeah, well, he, he was more in more into playing soccer and playing cricket and this and that. But a friend of mine, we used to have um, at our house. We'd have Friday night fish and chips. So a lot of the guys that I rode motorbikes with and that would come round on a Friday night. We'd have chippies and fish and chips nice. and that. Which, which the, the whole family was there, and um, one one night, it was a particular night. A guy called Steve Lack came came, came round and said to Steve, "Oh, I just bought a bought a, a go kart." Steve so says, "Oh yeah, yeah, you'll come out to come out to the track tomorrow and have a have a have a run on it if you want." She so says, "Oh go, yeah, okay." Went out, had a run, hooked, <laughs> 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 but he was in his late. Uh, late teens. Yeah. He didn't have a license and I had to, to trailer the, the, the cart, eventually when he got a cart, yeah. I trailer it to the uh, the track, then I'd, I'd unload it with him, he'd put it on the stands and I'd go and dr- drive around and sit in the car, let him do it himself, because yeah. nearly every time that he needed to go go-karting, I wasn't there. Yeah. I was at, a race, at meeting. race meeting. Yeah. So he got, got chummy with an, another young guy and his dad and... Uh, Made a bit of a, a team together, and they had a, had a ball.
0: Awesome.
1: Yeah. So, but he got into it reasonably late because it was just. I mean, I was driving for someone else. Really, mm. it was never an option for. Mm. Just circumstances. Yeah. Just exactly, just circumstances. exactly. Exactly.
0: But you know, you got to share a car with him. You've got to yeah. share a podium with him. I mean, you've ticked you some amazing things as father and son along the way. Haven't oh
1: you? no, certainly, certainly. That's. I mean, I, I'd, I'd give a. I'd give about this uh, one thousand win away mm. to have driven with Steve as coming. Second place. That's
0: cool.
1: Yeah, very very
0: cool. No, that was really good. And now the grand, the grandkids made. I mean, uh, I, I see Priya at the racetrack all the time. Yeah. She's doing some beautiful things in the media and and content space. And Clay's doing some racing yeah. in eighty six and Formula Forward. Yeah,
1: yeah. And the other jet, my other his, uh, grand grandson has just built himself. Him and his dad built themselves a Hyundai XL. Fantastic. They made. Uh, they're not mechanics. Yeah. And and Jetty's like sixteen or something, seventeen. Yeah. He bought the, uh, the XL for 800 bucks yeah. out of his own money from working at the supermarket. And him and his dad built it, Craig. And they just they went out of practice today the other day, yeah. which I couldn't go to, but I'll go to the next one. Yeah. And so he's, he's starting out. As well. But uh, they're doing it because they love it. Yeah. From, a, from a little fella, Jet knew every VA supercar driver, every VA supercar sponsor, everything. And I, I didn't know them. Passionate.
0: <laughs> Passionate. I love it. Can we finish with a couple on a, on a almost a little bit of a, a selfish note when, you know, some of the first dealings that I had with you. Firstly, super touring. In, in the, the transition between Volvo 850 and, and S40, I mean, the, the arms race, the development race in England was was massive. Those little S40s in the end were a very cool, very impressive little race car, weren't
1: they? Certainly were. I mean, w- one of the best cars I've, that I've driven was the s40 mm. <clears throat> and especially around bathurst it was just an absolute beautiful to drive you, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have known it was a, a front-wheel front drive, drive car mm. really really good and um i, I really enjoyed super tourists it was mm. terrific
0: i did i don't know if you remember <laughs> there was a gtp race one day we were at winton and you and and johnny bow were battling away pretty pretty fiercely and back then the new pit lane had opened, so I was, I was up and down the pit lane reporting, but they were still using the old finish line. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so late in the afternoon, YouTube battled to the line and I'm trying to look up from the pit lane to see what the, what the race result was, and then you two came back in for the post race interviews. And I think I started by congratulating you on the race win, but you had to correct me and say so you came
1: second. <laughs> I do remember that. I do oh, remember. Oh god, that. I felt
0: so embarrassed. I was such a such a uh, such a newbie at um at the at the whole uh, the whole thing. Congratulations on on uh, everything you've achieved. I think you you kind of badge yourself now as as semi-retired but i love the fact you, mean, you still go and do the odd event when it suits you here and there don't you whether it's a hill climb no, no, or something
1: no, no no i don't nothing no, 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 no. nothing no nothing i just <clears throat> <clears throat> once you stop I'm the first the last car i drove was the falcon sprint at the 2018 bathurst mm-hmm. but i needed i think i needed two rounds that year and things were getting out of control And in our masters and uh you kept needing more and more money to get the car set up and to, mm-hmm. to run the cars. So I decided that was a good time to stop. Okay. And the Shannons arrangement, um, Paul Gates, who was my contact at Shannons, a fantastic guy, mm-hmm. he was retiring mm-hmm. and I thought... Uh, well, that's an even better reason to stop now. So he's retired, and I was retired. Yeah. but I didn't announce a retirement. That's oh. not me. You yeah. know, I didn't announce that I was coming to be a racing car driver when I first drove my Anglia. <laughs> so why should I be any different when I
0: stopped? <laughs> and, and and importantly, you're still passionately surrounded I still, I still by, I by love, cars. I still love the
1: cars. The, the the two cars that the Falcon Sprint and then the and the, and the Javelin. Uh, Bruce Tyson, Mick Webb and myself built them. Yep. um And they're just they're works of art, really. But as the regulations changed, they become slightly uncompetitive. Yeah, but uh, but no, no, I enjoyed it.
0: Well done on everything. I mean, I nearly worn your voice out, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but but we could talk for forever. But it's no, been nice. So to-
1: stories, just incredible. You know, yeah. the things you did on the on the way to the track in New Zealand, and you know, like having an egg fight and throwing throwing eggs <laughs> eggs at fellow competitors as they drove past with their <laughs> Mustang on the trailer or something blat <laughs> on a hot day that looks like that. it was a fried egg straight away you know.
0: a great camaraderie great people and you've made a wonderful life out of it Jimmy um, thank you so much for talking to us pleasure no problem Rusty's Garage is written and presented by me Greg Rust series editor and producer is Ed Gooden audio production by Darcy Thompson. If you've got a guest suggestion, get in touch with me via social media. The Garage, it's where a journey begins with a tank full of passion-fueled stories. Listener